My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 151. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. Uh, The Lord spoke to me yesterday in the form of a pain. I was raking leaves. I'd let them stay down too long. Uh, They got wet. And I was having to really put a lot of effort into it. And I stepped kind of funny on the edge of a curb and twisted my bad hip in a way. You know, I was having, I don't know, buyer's remorse. I committed to hip surgery the other day at the University of Tennessee Hospital and um, talked to my wife about it. She said, well, good, I'm glad you're going to get it fixed. But I was still a little nervous about it, you know, just the idea of it. The worst thing you can do is watch a YouTube video of a knee replacement or a hip replacement, something like that. Those orthopedic guys, they're in a different, they're in a different world, and they can handle that stuff. I can't. Too much blood for me. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I twisted my hip. That was the lightning bolt that I needed to say, okay, I'm moving forward. There's no turning back. So January the 30th is my magic day, and I'm so excited about it. But let's talk cars. You want to? You know, I've I do a lot of research on values of vintage cars. And the reason I do that is, well, you know, partially so that I can share it with you, but otherwise so that I can manage my investments because I invest in vintage cars. You know, it's just like you may invest in the stock market or real estate or something like that. I I do all of that too, but but my uh, my vintage cars are like, you know, pieces of art. I mean, I don't hang them on a wall, but and you got to have garage space. But I do uh, try to keep up with with trends, and I want to pass on some of those trends. You know, there might be somebody out there that's interested in buying a classic car or investing in one. I'm going to give you a website that you need to uh, become familiar with if you are thinking about doing that, or if you have cars now. Uh, it's Haggerty.com. H-A-G-E-R-T-Y dot com. And, you know, in order to get the full information from from them, you have to be a member. It costs a little bit, but it's worth it. You get a magazine, and plus you can read a lot, and plus you can buy insurance for for vintage cars. That's what Haggerty, that's their main source of income is insurance. And then they also, or on vintage cars, that is. And then they also run the Concours d'Elegance, or the Concours the Elegance at Amelia Island. They took over from the guy who started it. But they they run a really good event. They have great insurance, and it's affordable for vintage cars. You know, you just don't drive a vintage car as much as you drive your regular car. And so, you know, you shouldn't be penalized as far as your insurance rates. And so if you can limit your mileage and, you know, plus the fact that they know what your car's worth and they want to know what it costs to replace it to restore and so forth. So if you want $100,000 worth of insurance on a Mustang, they'll sell it to you because they know that your Mustang that you happen to have, which is a very rare whatever, uh, they say it's worth 100000 Or if it's a Boss 429, maybe 250000 So anyway, I was looking at values, and I wanted to give you an idea of you know the way I look at things and, and the research that I do. And so I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different vehicles here. Uh, they're all very different. Uh, they come from 
you know, different decades in the history of it, the automobile. And so the first vehicle I decided to look up for you and share with you is, is my 1930 Model A Roadster. Now, a Roadster is, has no top on it. I mean, it's, it's got a convertible top, but it has no windows, you know, so it is strictly a warm weather vehicle. And so whoever would have bought that vehicle would have been somebody that obviously either lived in Florida or South Texas or Arizona or someplace like that, or they just used it when the weather was good and they had other cars to drive. So 1930 Model A. You know, this car is a number two car. It's not a concours. It's not perfect, but it's it's excellent, okay? And so the value ranges go from $11,800 for a, you know, just a really rough driver to $54,800 for a Concours car. Now, Concours, again, is it's as close to perfect in every way that you can imagine. When you see the car, it doesn't have any flaws in the paint. You'd have to find a flaw, you'd have to use a magnifying glass. It's that good. The chrome is perfect. The underside is perfect. The car looks better than when it was brand new. Way better than when it was brand new. My car, it's you know, it's somewhere in between. I, I estimate my cars were somewhere between thirty and thirty-five thousand. So that's still twenty thousand less than a Concorde car. That's how much more they are worth. Now, what is the trend on this car? That's another thing you have to look at before you invest in a car. You need to know. You know, what is the, what kind of direction is it headed in terms of value? Now, if you're looking at it as an investment, if you're looking at it as just a car that, you know, your mother had or your grandfather drove back in the 50s, that's an emotional thing. That's a perfectly good reason to want to buy a car. It doesn't have to be for investment. Like some of the cars that I own, are emotional. This 1930 Model A was an emotional purchase. My mom was born in 1930, and she had passed away just a year earlier, and this guy called me and said, I have a 1930 Model A. And I'd always wanted one and was curious as to how they drove and everything, so I met up with him and drove the car and bought the car, and I thought was a reasonable price. I paid approximately, let's see, I think it was $28.5 or something for the car. So it's it's worth more than I paid for it, but I have no intention of selling that car. So let's look at another car from the 30s. Matter of fact, 1930, Duesenberg LeBaron. Now this is, well, when I say Duesenberg, Duesenberg didn't build any complete cars, okay? They, they made engines, they made chassis, which the body sat on. Uh, they made the grill on the car and the drivetrain as far as the, you know, the, the rear axle, the front. Uh, suspension and all that. That was made by Duesenberg. The rest of it was made by a body company. Just like all GM cars up till probably 20 years ago, were the bodies were made by a company called Fisher Body, and they eliminated that. You remember, I don't know if you had a GM car, but you'll see the little Fisher Body as a little carriage, basically, logo that was on the uh, scuff plate as you were getting into your car. So these body companies would take a Duesenberg body and then they would build this, you know, do all the metal work and the seats and the leather and steering wheels and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so what's this 1930 Duesenberg uh, LeBaron with a LeBaron body worth? Well, the, the, the worst condition cars are worth $1.3 million. Pretty valuable car from the 30s. The top cars are $2.25 million. Uh, what is the trend here? Well, it's trending 
gradually up. Oh, I forgot to say what the trend was on the Model A. The trend on the Model A is gradually down. So it's starting to go down. So if I wanted to sell my car, now would probably be a good time to do it. But I have no intention of selling it at this point. You know, like people say, you ever going to sell that car? And I say, well, you know, eventually somebody else owns everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll sell it at some point, but not right now because I like looking at it. I like having it in my showroom. Okay, so let's let's move up a decade. 1940 uh, Ford Convertible. I just love the design of the cars from the late 30s and early 40s, especially the common man's car, like a, like a Ford or Chevrolet or something. I just thought there was an interesting transition going on, and it got interrupted by World War II. So, you know, pretty much all production, well, all production of passenger cars and trucks and stuff stopped in 1941 when we got into the, to the production mode of trying to win World War II. And, of course, we won World War II because primarily we were able to outproduce the Axis powers. But the cars at the, at the very end of the 30s and the early 40s had really interesting designs. And this 1940 Ford convertible, you know, if you look at the Haggerty book value, uh, cars that are pretty rough are worth about $25,000, up to $86,000 for a Concours. So what's happened with these cars? Well, they're trending down also. They hit a peak in January of 2023, and they have had a steady decline since. So, you know, if you've got one or you've inherited one and you you think you'd you'd rather have the money than the car, now's the time to unload a car like that. Let's go up to one of the most popular collector cars of all time. What do you think that would be? Well, if you would guess the 1957 Chevy, you would be right. Um, I had a 55. My brother and I had one. We bought it for $2,500, and it was a completely restored car. Of course, that was 1976, I believe, is when we got that car. We paid $2,500 for it, sold it for $5,000 about two years later, and we thought we had, well, we had. I mean, we doubled our money. We thought we'd hit a home run. That same car probably be worth about $60,000 right now. I don't think that was a good choice, but, you know, we were just kids. So 57 Chevy convertibles. Since we've been talking about convertibles up to this point, let's stick with them. What's a, a bad shape 57 Chevy convertible Bel Air worth? Well, about 36.9 right now. That's the lowest number. Up to 122,000. Big range. Uh, what's the trend? Flat. They've gone up as much as they're going to. And one of the reasons for a lot of these cars, especially from this era back, the reason they're going down in value is because the people who love those cars and drove those cars are dying. The World War II generation and the baby boomers. You know, we're, we're dropping like flies. So uh, the cars that, that really interest us aren't as popular with you know the, the uh, generations that follow us. So I'll take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Now, if you go to most car shows around here, you're going to see a lot of these. You're going to see a lot of Model A's and Model T's and uh, Bel Airs from the 50s, you know, 55, 56 Chevrolet. You'll see some Fords from that area. You'll see some 60s muscle cars. You don't see a lot of exotics, you know, unless you go to a Cars and Coffee event like at the Bristol Motor Speedway or go down to the big Cars and Coffee event that they have at uh, the Westtown Mall in Knoxville. That's one of the biggest in the country. 
I mean, they don't have anywhere. I've heard everything from 5,000 to six, to 10,000 cars down there. When I went last time, it looked like 10,000 cars. There were a bunch. And you see a lot of Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Porsches and stuff like that. You don't see that at just the little, you know, the little church car show or, you know, some of the little ones that have in a tobacco warehouse like I used to go to all the time uh, because not many people can afford those cars. They have gotten so valuable like Ferraris and, and vintage Porsches and stuff, people buy them and they just put them up because if they were to take them out to a, I don't know, go out to eat or go to Walmart, you know, to pick something out, they worry about door dings and just something happening to the car. And they really, uh, it's hard to insure those cars. You're talking about a car like a Ferrari, uh, alloy body 275. That car is probably worth 12 to $15 million. So, you know, it's just worth too much to take out. It's a piece of art, a very valuable piece of art. Okay, let's stay in the realm of, of affordability. 1963 Corvette split window. You're probably familiar with that body style. You know, that was the first of the second gen- <laughs> the first of the second generation of the Corvette. They call them C2 Corvettes. Did have a split window on the coupe. That split window was a very stylish thing, but it was not very popular. At the time, so uh, Chevrolet said, "Oh, it's blocking people's vision. Buyers don't like it, so they eliminated the split window." What's the most valuable Corvette from the C2 generation? That's right, the split window Corvette. Uh, they range in any anywhere right now of seventy-eight five to two hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. A lot of that has to do with the originality of it. You know, does it have a matching? Numbers does it have matching engine, matching transmission to the chassis on the car. If it doesn't have that, that drops the value thirty percent right off the top. Then they look at uh, you know is it the original color? What if it's an all original car, original paint, original engine? Nothing's been done to it. That's the most valuable car, way more so than a restored car. That has changed dramatically over the last. Probably 15, 20 years, it's not been that long, is that originality is what people want. And if it's truly original, never had anything done to it, especially original tires even. You'll see very old cars with original tires. Those are the ones that are bringing the ridiculous money regardless of brand. Uh, what's the trend on the Corvette? It's trending up. They are. It's gradual if you look at the trend line. It's, it's not dramatic, but they are still going up. Uh, my car that I have, 65 Corvair Corsa convertible, you know, I paid $2,500 for that car 28 years ago. Uh, the range in value from $9,300 to $56,600 for a Concord car. My car is not Concord. It's a really nice daily driver. If you look at it from 15 feet away, it looks like a new a new car. But you get close, you see some of the flaws and things like that. It's not all original, and I've, I've replaced a lot of the parts with uh, remanufactured parts, but that's okay. I love it. What's it worth? Uh, probably thirty to 35000 Would I sell it? No. Somebody else will at some point, like I say. Okay, 1966 Mustang. I've got one of those out in the showroom. There's a lot going up on with the Mustang, and it is definitely trending up. Oh, by the way, the Corvair is not trending up. It's trending down. Uh, 1966 Mustang, however, these things are really popular. Now, not the coupes. And what I'm talking about is basically the 65 through 
66. You know, like you hear a lot of people talk about, well, I had a 64 and a half. Well, it's really a 65. They were introduced in 64, but they call them 64 and a half. There's a certain VIN number range that was actually produced in 64, and they refer to them as 64 and a half cars, but they're actually uh, 65s. So what are they? What's this 66 Mustang that I have worth? Well, you know, $26,700 on the low end up to 100, what's that number? 112,000. Now, my car is not it's not worth quite that much because it's not a GT. If it had GT on the side of it, then I think it would be worth over 100. I think as it is it's probably in the mid 80s somewhere in that range. They're definitely trending up though. Okay, let's go across the uh, ocean here. It's kind of interesting when you when you look at what has happened to Porsche and Porsche collectability. What happened was Ferraris were the thing for a long time, but they just went outrageous. I mean, you're talking about a car selling for 15 million. You know, it's just a, it's a playground for the ultra rich. So Ferraris got expensive. Jaguar E-types got really expensive. Um, you know, you've got uh, Maseratis and Lamborghinis are out of the reach of most people. So they jumped on the Porsche bandwagon because it was considered an, a, an exotic car. Well, I, I remember I had a 1976 Porsche 911S. I had it at Lawson Chevrolet at our dealership back in the 90s. I think we had $15,000 in the car, and I think we sold it for twenty. So, you know, that was not bad. If I had that car today, it would be worth an excess of $100,000. Uh, 76 Porsche 911S value, 25 on the low end to, to um, over 100000 on the high end. It is trending up. How fast is it going up? 50% per year. That's the kind of car that you can make some money on. Now, that's what it's been doing over the last five years. However, when you look at the last year, it's gone up 14% in the last year. What's that tell you? It's leveling off. And so if you were to go out and pay big money for a Porsche with the idea of using it as an investment, hoping that it will appreciate at the rate that they have, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because it's, I mean, still 14% is pretty good, but what's it going to do next year? It may go up zero it may, we may have hit our peak and start heading down. So it's just so important to be able to stay on top of these things. You know, I, I read a lot of car magazines. I watch Bring a Trailer Auction religiously every night. My wife will look over and at me. She, you looking at that car auction again? Surely you're not going to buy anything else. Oh, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Wink, wink. So if you have a vintage car that you're thinking about getting rid of, I can help you with that. I'll be more than happy to. It's something that I enjoy doing in my old age. If you are thinking about buying something, you got to be really careful these days because there are a lot of replicas out there that are cars that, well, I went and looked at a 67 Corvette one time that was supposed to be all original matching numbers. It was actually stamped on the block like it was with the, with the correct numbers. Well, the stamp just didn't look exactly right to me, so I took a picture of it. And I sent it to my Corvette expert who is in Indiana. And he took a look at it and he said, Lenny, that's a fake stamp. I knew it. I knew something didn't look right. So, you know, this guy at the time, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but it was a 427 
430 horsepower, 67 Corvette with dual side pipes, four-speed, kind of a light blue color. Wonderful car. You know, if I had that car today and it did have matching number engine, it would be worth 150 to 160. But I didn't buy it because of of the engine thing. I should have because even with the non-matching engine, it was the correct engine, and it would still be worth probably 120, somewhere in that neighborhood. So it's important that you have a an expert to help you. Now, the vehicles that I don't know a lot about, I have people that I can call. They are uh, guru times two, so that's very helpful. Okay, I'll take my last break. Be back here in just a minute to finish up. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Reach out to me, 423-552-2020. Send me a text or you can call. I mean, I won't always answer because I might be in a meeting or I might be just goofing off. I do that more these days. Um, Or you can send me an email, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. And I'll see you next time on the next My Car Guru.